Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Moses summoned all of Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face, out of the fire on the mountain. At that time I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and didn't go up into the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of For the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation, to those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey or any of your animals, not any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife, you shall not set your desires on your neighbour's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain, from out of the fire, the cloud, and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. And then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness, while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me. And you said, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty. And we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that people can live even if God speaks with them. But now, why should we die? 
This great fire will consume us and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what person has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. The Lord heard you when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard what his people said to you. Everything they said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Go tell them to return to their tents, but you stay here with me, so that I may give you all the commands, decrees and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land I am giving them to possess. So, be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Don't turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Now, the Ten Commandments is probably one of the best-known parts of the Bible in all of society across the world. Like... Everyone kind of has a vague idea of what the Ten Commandments are. Uh, I found out this week in in the US, in in the Constitution, it says that every uh, public school classroom must have the Ten Commandments um, up on the the wall somewhere. Now, I don't know if that is actually followed or how many actually (laughs) believe what's up there, but it's a significant uh, text, isn't it? The Ten Commandments, the top ten. It's, it's uh, really central to the book of Deuteronomy. Most, uh, a lot of scholars believe that Moses, he begins his second speech here. First one's the history, what brought them to, to where they are. This is the second speech. He begins with the Ten Commandments, and then the rest of this speech, he kind of unpacks the Ten Commandments as a way of understanding it. And so we will go through these ten in detail. Uh, But for now, I want to kind of take a step back and look at the Ten Commandments from a bigger perspective. What what is the point and purpose of the Ten Commandments? Why does God make such a big deal of them? Um, Now, the Ten Commandments, also known as the Decalogue. Can everyone say Decalogue? Anyone know what that means? Ten, log, logos. Words, well done, 10 words. How the Ten Commandments was known to the Israelite people was the 10 words. Decalogue is Greek, but that's the Greek translation of the Hebrew term. Um, the 10 words, like these are the, the 10 words, and I, it's not like it was literally 10 words, but this is how it's known. The, the 10 things that came from the very mouth of God to the Israelite people. It's, uh, first, these are first given in Exodus 20. Um, uh, when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt, delivered from slavery, brought out, and they come to Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb. And there, God gives the Israelite the Ten Commandments through his servant Moses. And he tells Israel the Ten Commandments, and then he writes these Ten Commandments on stone tablets for Moses to take to the Israelite people. Now, those, to- those tablets are broken because Israel already had broken the first and second commandment. 
But then Moses goes back and replaces them. But this is the second time it's brought out in Scripture. Moses returns. He's, he's beginning his second sermon to the Israelite people. And this is where he starts. The t- top ten, ten commandments, the Decalogue, the ten words. So what is the point of these words? And I want to kind of work through and unpack a few things. I'll start off quick. The last one I do want to, the last point I want to dwell on a bit more. But the first thing Moses says is these are words to hear and obey. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1, Moses summons all of Israel, all of Israel to himself. And he says, hear, O Israel. The first thing, we're to hear. Hear, listen, O Israel, the decrees and laws I declare to you in your hearing today. So that's the first step, here. Then he says, learn them, study them, understand them. They're words to think about, consider, discuss. He says, learn them and be sure to follow them. They're words to obey. You see the progression there. We're to hear, understand, and obey. Now these are the the words that were to hear and listen to. Now, the Israelite people couldn't see God, but they could hear God. Later on in the second half of the passage, after the Ten Commandments, there's this discussion with the Israelite people that they can't possibly hear God and they need Moses to interpret and, and communicate the law to them. But the only thing that the Israelites directly hear from God is the Ten Words, is the Ten Commandments. There's something... Very, very important, very, very specific and significant with the 10 words. They require listening, they require study, and they require action. The second point, these are words for us now. The second verse, the Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made the covenant, but with us and with all of us who are alive here today. Now, if we were to read that, and think, hang on, that's literally not true. Because literally, God made this covenant with the generation before. He didn't make it with them. He made it with the generation before. But now Moses says, we didn't make it with the generation before. He's making it with those who are present now. Now, Moses isn't a liar. God isn't uh, confused there. He's making a point. This isn't a relationship. These aren't laws and instructions for other groups of people. This is instructions for us today. This, um, the, the Ten Commandments is also known as the words of the covenant. Like it's covenant being a special relationship between God and his people. And the Ten Commandments is like the details of that relationship. How has that relationship worked out? What's the basis? What are the conditions? What are the consequences? What's the outcome? The Ten Commandments is like the constitution for that relationship. It's like the contract that's made between God and His people. And it wasn't with their ancestors. This is one that applies to every generation. And when we come back to the series uh, in beginning of June, we'll talk about the theme in Deuteronomy of passing the law on to our children and passing on to other generations because it's for every generation. And we might also think, well, that's, it's for the Old Testament, this is 
we live in the time of the New Testament, but Jesus himself said, I haven't come to abolish the law. He's come to fulfill it. The Ten Commandments are still relevant and important today. We'll talk a bit more about that later. The next thing God says, Moses says, is these are words for us personally. Verse 4, the Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. Now, can you imagine a scenario that you get an email from your boss saying, can you please do this task for me? And compare that to your boss inviting you into his office, sitting you down and say, okay, I've got something I need you to do. And he tells you face to face. How much more important and significant is that personal instruction to the email or you pass it on through someone? These are personal instructions. A personal relationship with God is the Ten Commandments. He made it with Israel. It's personal for us as well. The next thing, these are words of redemption. Words of redemption. Now, what's the foundation of the Ten Commandments? Many people consider the Old Testament to be a, a book of law and that the, the basis of relationship with God in the Old Testament is following the law. And that's the Old Testament and the New Testament is we're saved by grace. Old Testament is saved by law, New Testament is saved by grace. But that's not what is here. That's not what's written here. Now, of course, at some point Israel got that wrong and, and we too mix that up and mess that up as well. But what's at the heart of the Ten Commandments, the very beginning, how it starts off, it says who God is and what he's done for us. Verse 6, I am. The Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That is the basis of the law. That is the basis, the foundation of the Ten Commandments. Who God is. He is the Lord, the King of all kings, the Lord of all things, created the world. He is God. But not only that. He's saved these right people. He's brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That is the foundation, the basis of the Ten Commandments. That is the foundation, the basis of God's relationship with his people. Not the Ten Commandments and you, must, you know, do not kill, do not da 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 da. Then I will save you and I will be your God. No, no, it starts there. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I saved you. And then he goes on to detail how to live. Now, again, we might look back on the Old Testament and think it's, a, it's the foundation is law. And there is a lot of law and, and a requirement f to follow law. But the God of Old Testament is not a tyrant God and a different God to the New Testament God of grace. It's the same God of grace who saves Israel, makes them his own people, and then tells them how to live. Just as it's the same God who saves humanity, sets them apart to be his people, and tells them how to live that out. It's the same God. And the next thing... Uh, these are words. These are words to live by. And now we'll, we'll kind of think 
the detail of these Ten Commandments. But again, I don't want to go into too much detail. We'll unpack it. But just to give a little bird's eye view and think about what is the nature of these commands. The first thing to note, this is not criminal law. This isn't uh, law and instruction as, as we might understand that, you know, do not kill is a law in our, in our country. Because there's no punishment or penalties detailed here, right? They're not laws. They're more like principles. The laws and that kind of detail comes later for the Israelite people. But here is something deeper than instructions to follow or or the, the rules of the land. Now also, I don't know if you noticed, but most of these laws are framed in the negative. You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an art. You shall not. You shall not. You shall not. And it's easy to hear that and go, wow, God's a bit of a killjoy. It's all about what we can't do. It's restricting freedom, hampering fun. What, like, it's framed in the negative, but these Ten Commandments have a positive outcome we think about what is the outcome of these commands and also thinking about the context which for the Israelite people because we think about where they come from and how it's introduced again I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt what was their life like in Egypt they were oppressed they were enslaved there was a there was mass genocides there was Um, property being taken from them. And you think about what happened to Israel and the Israelite people in Egypt, the Ten Commandments, commandments, depends what hemisphere you're from, (laughs) they become less about restricting freedom to protecting people. Protecting from the stuff that happened in Egypt ever to happen again. Now, Chris Wright, one of the um, big thinkers on the Old Testament, he wrote his book, Old Testament Ethics. It's very good. He talks about, um, he, com- he makes this comparison. He says, in Egypt, Israel labored under Pharaoh, who not only claimed divinity, but refused to recognize Yahweh, the, the God of the Old Testament, as God. And a major theme of uh, the Exodus, like the, the Israelites being delivered from Egypt, was the demonstration that Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, is the one true God to prove to Pharaoh, as well as the Israelites, that truth. And so the first commandment follows that naturally, that there is no other gods. There is no other gods except the one true God. And similarly, the second commandment prevents any temptation to to follow or worship any other God. Uh, The Exodus story also involves a fresh revelation of the divine name. So what Chris is talking about is in the, the narrative of the Exodus, Moses was given the one true name, like the God's name, Yahweh or I am. In the burning bush, if you, if you know the story. God's given, sorry, Moses is given God's very name. 
and with that, all the power and authority that comes with it. And so the third commandment is given to stop people from abusing that power or use that power of that name uh, for any um, personal, malevolent, or frivolous purpose. In Egypt, the harshest aspect of reality was the unrelenting labor imposed upon them. Like They were slaves. They were enslaved. They had no rest. And the Sabbath commandment, the fourth commandment, was a distinctive gift explicitly geared to the needs of the most vulnerable in the working population. It's really interesting. The Sabbath command between Exodus and Deuteronomy, the two records of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath command is the one that's most different, almost identical, the Ten Commandments, except for the Sabbath and then the last two or the last command. And the the difference is the Sabbath goes into more detail about why or why we keep the Sabbath and who it applies to. In Exodus, the why is because God rested on the seventh day. And the, the Israelite masters, the Israelite rulers and, and you know, heads of the household goes, great, well, I'm going to take a day off on Sunday, but my sla- like, we still have stuff to do so my slaves can keep working and the foreigners in the land can keep working and everyone else can keep working. Ends up that you know, the heads of the households might take a day off, great for them, but then their families, their slaves the, are still oppressed. In Deuteronomy... It talks about the Sabbath. The why is, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, but I've delivered you from that. Therefore, take a day off, and that day off, set apart for God, holy to the Lord, applies to everyone. Applies to everyone. He says, "Um, on it you shall do no work. This is 13. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in towns, so that your your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to keep or observe the Sabbath. In Egypt, the other thing that... um, happened to Israel is they were subjected to um, the destruction of family life. Uh, Babies being taken from families and um, people were oppressed and enslaved. And so Chris says their free society was to be structured around the network of viable family households whose internal authority and sexual integrity was protected by the fifth and seventh command. In Egypt, Israel was also the victim of state-sponsored genocide. They were killed, uh, the babies of the Israelite people. And so freed from such murderous tyranny, they were to protect human life from all unlawful killing, the Sixth Commandment. In Egypt, Israel was also economically exploited, robbed of their possessions and and their, their things. So God's intention for them in the land was their own distinct economic system, which within... Theft and greed would violate the community dimension of the covenant. So in other words, he wants to protect people's property and things and respect that. Therefore, the eighth and ten commandments, do not steal, do not um, covet. And also, in in Egypt, the Israelites were victims of massive structural injustice in their society. 
the integrity of justice in the legal system must at all costs be protected from the threat of malicious falsehood. Again, people lied and could get away with whatever they want. So the ninth commandment, do not bear false witness. So this is not so much about restricting behavior, but protecting the rights of the Israelite people, of the community. Another way of looking at this is in America, they've got the Bill of Rights, the rights of the individual. And we can go around and we claim, this is my right. As a human being, as an Australian citizen, a citizen or a citizen of any kind of country, I've got certain rights that are about me. The Ten Commandments is like a Bill of Rights, but it's the rights of those outside of ourselves. It's not about our rights, it's about others. And so there's the divine rights, uh, the supreme command that we, we have a, a Sorry, God has the right to our exclusive devotion, our exclusive allegiance, because he's the one who made us and saved us. It's his, it's his right that we worship him. And same, uh, it's his right that we do not turn to other things and make idols that don't have any power because we create them ourselves, but we worship God alone. We also, it's his right that we, we use his name appropriately, we don't use that for ourselves. We don't use it derogatively. Derogatively, We use it to honor God, to glorify God. And then there's also the, the Sabbath, which is kind of both. It's about rights towards God and rights towards other people. It's God's right to be honored on a day of the week that a day is set apart for him because that is what he did when he created the world. It's also the rights of the people to be given rest and to be protected in that way. And similarly, uh, parents have the right to, to respect from children. The next person, people outside of ourselves, have the right to their lives. Uh, other people have the right to sexual purity. Other people have the right to property. Other people have the right to honest and truthful testimony in court. Other people have the right to a secure marriage. Other people have the right to enjoy property, to enjoy their possessions without fear that a neighbor might want it for themselves. So the Ten Commandments isn't so about restricting behavior and restricting enough, but it's about giving up our rights and desires that we might be able to uh, live for the sake and live for the benefit of those around us. It's not so much about restricting behavior, but enabling love. It's relational. It's relational. The Ten Commandments aren't institutional or behavioral. They're relational. And in, in this, there's a, there's a vertical component and a horizontal component. I'll grab that next slide, Tim. And it's summarized by the two great commandments. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And there's other moments where Jesus and other people are discussed, what are the greatest commandments? And the Ten Commandments are summarized in these two ways, loving God, loving your neighbor. From Matthew 22, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the Ten Commandments. It's not restricting behavior, but enabling love. Loving God. Loving our neighbor. 
protecting the rights of others. Now, Jesus also shows in the Sermon on the Mount, we went through this recently in, in the series we did, it's not so much about our external behavior, but our heart attitude. What's coming from within? So the Ten Commandments is not a legalistic system to control people, but a set of principles to live by so that society may flourish through the mutual protection and promotion of others. And even deeper than this, the Ten Commandments is an expression of the gospel. Because it starts off, we are saved by grace. The Israelite people were saved by God, who he is, delivering them from Egypt. And then he, through that grace, through that identity as a saved people of God, they're enabled to not have to fight for their own rights and work for their own desires and have their own desires met, but give that up so that they could honor the rights of others. They're saved so that they could love. They're saved so they could live out who they are as God's people. And so a life for the Israelite people following the Ten Commandments is not one of self-satisfaction and self-protection, but self-sacrifice. And it's the same for those who call ourselves Christian. Because the Ten Commandments is not irrelevant. These are ten words. This is the principles that Jesus himself fulfills. These are words that Jesus fulfills. Now, we often refer to the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is the covenant of law. The New Covenant is the covenant of grace. But I would say of the Old Covenant, we've got to be really careful not to, to get things wrong or misrepresent the God of the Old Testament. It's not a covenant of law that we're saved through, the, through following the law. The Old Covenant, this covenant we're reading here, they're saved by, through being delivered from Egypt. And in and the New Covenant, it's not new as in new content, but new foundation, new power. We're, we weren't slaves to Egypt. That's not what we're saved from. We were slaves to sin. We've heard this story from Luke today. We were all slaves to sin. But God saved us. He delivered us. And he set us apart as his people. That's the new covenant. That's the new covenant. Not new content, but new power, new foundation. And he set us apart to live out as his people. To flourish as God's people. And so the Ten Commandments are not irrelevant. They're profoundly relevant. How can we behave? How can we live? How can we interact with God who saved us and with the people around us? The Ten Commandments is like a rule of life. How am I going to live? How am I going to honor those around me? How might I give up my own rights and my own desires to honor and protect and promote those around me? And how has the grace and love of God satisfied me so that I can do that? We are freed 
free to love and to live in line with the commands that God has given. At the very end of chapter 5, Moses says to the people, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you to do. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord God has commanded you, so you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you'll possess. God has given these laws not to control us, but to bless us. And imagine a world where people lived like this. Imagine a world where no one fought or got angry or uh, stole or lied. And everyone lived self-sacrificially, protecting the rights of others and not worrying about their own rights. It would be a paradise. be amazing. It would be heaven. One of the questions I'm often asked as a pastor is, will we have free will in heaven? All right? What a great question. I'll, I'll ask. Just dramatic pause. To <laughs> Do we have free will now? Or is that will compromised by sin? And when we get to heaven... One way of looking at it as we will be we won't have the freedom to sin. The other way of looking at it is when we get to heaven, sin and evil will be no more. So we are free to live in line with God's commands, to live how God designed us and made us, to live fully self-sacrificially, entirely outwardly focused and entirely fulfilled and satisfied in the very presence of God. We will have more free will in heaven than we would have ever experienced on earth. Something to think about over a sausage bit later. <laughs> While we finish there, let's pray and then we'll worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the Ten Commandments. We thank you for how throughout generations, these, these commandments have really been the backbone of our modern law and modern uh, moral ethics. And through that, you have protected people, you've, you've honored people, you've um, blessed people. But Lord, we acknowledge right now that none of us have followed these laws. None of us have kept these to perfection. And Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness. We know we need your grace. We need your love and forgiveness. And we thank you that our position with you and your presence with us is not dependent on our adherence to this law, but by your grace. And Lord, we, we thank you that it's that very grace that enables us to live for you, to live according to these commands, according to these words. So Lord, we, we pray you'd help us and as we uh, go and study these in detail through the book of Deuteronomy, we pray you would help us to hear. You'd help us to learn these things and you'd help us to obey. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.